Hey everyone, it's Lindsay, and I'm hopping in here before the show to share with you a little bit about today's episode. So our interview today is with my friend and fellow far flower farmer, Christy Ralphs from Nourish Gardens in Waikiki Island, New Zealand. So we had some technical difficulties with the interview, just working from two different hemispheres, and we lost a piece, the very beginning piece of her interview. But it's such a valuable podcast that we still wanted to share it with you. So what you missed is just learning a little bit about Christy. She is a teacher turned, former teacher turned flower farmer, and she has a passion for lean, which we've been talking a little bit about efficiencies on the farm. And she really does a fantastic job of incorporating lean principles to the nth degree on her farm. And so I think you're going to really enjoy her interview today. So be sure to check her out. Her links, we're going to put them down in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about her farm. She's fantastic and can't wait for you to hear her interview. Enjoy the show. I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dirt on Flowers. We are through Mother's Day. High five. I know. Eric, virtual high five. <laughs> virtual high five. My gosh. Yes, we did it. Brutal. But good. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it was <laughs> it was it was uh it was brutal. It was but it was good. I mean the weather did, did the weather hold out for you? Yeah, no, it rained all day. Yeah. It rained most of the day. Yeah. But Sunday was decent. Yeah, Sunday was beautiful. Yeah. That's what happened that last great. year, too. You remember this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've complained about it for up. 52 weeks, <laughs> and I'm still going to complain about it for another 52. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh gosh. But yeah, ours were like, it popped up, it would rain a little bit, and then it yeah. would kind of stop. So we had some steady, we had some steady traffic, but our uh, retail locations did really well. So yeah. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It's a good flower day. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm glad it's over though. Yeah. A lot of pressure. It was our best year yet, which is good. That's but good. It was a lot. Yeah. That's there good. was a lot a lot of moving pieces and parts. That's good. I, I was satisfied with what we did based off of the effort that I felt like I mm -hmm. put into it. I mean, I think I was a little uh tried to be a little conservative just with the the tulip situation and not knowing yes. like what product we were gonna have. And I tried to kind of twist it around, but you know, or just be conservative and and we backed off of our pop-up that we normally do and we had mm -hmm. a couple other stuff. So you know, we didn't we didn't hit any records and I kept thinking about what Michelle was saying to us, like not to compare the previous year and or just 2020, you know, it was like yeah. a killer year. So yeah, but that's literally what we do. We compare. We do. <laughs> but it, it's, and like, it's like also because we're threes, Shannon is the other right. this. We are a special group of comparison. Okay. To ourselves. <laughs> so I have really tried to not, but yeah. Mom, my mom texted me. was like, how was it? And I was like, it was great. You know, I'm just mm -hmm. so, like asked if I was happy. And I was like, yeah. I was like, try not to, you know, try not to reflect on the previous year. And she's like, nice notice. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah. hard to complain. Like I'm, I'm mm -hmm. grateful, but like the, yeah. the business side of me, you know, like, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad to be just focused on planting. There's nothing on my calendar coming up. Um, I, I mean, know. we have weddings, but like, it's, it feels nice to just like focus on planting and getting stuff in the ground. So it is that time. It's it crunch is. time now. Yeah. Which is good. And it, 
Right. And with Mother's Day being later too, it makes mm-hmm. it it also makes me feel behind. Like my dahlias are yeah. your dahlias in yet? No. Oh no. No. Okay, I haven't see? got my summer I haven't got my summer flowers in. Yeah. No, I haven't either. I haven't either. So, we're getting we're hoping this week. Yes, us too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just been it's been weird. We had like a week of rain, then Mother's Day. So it's been hard. And I like when Mother's Day is there, like all the focus is on that. Judd made yeah. beds while we were doing Mother's Day stuff, but I'm ready yeah. to move past it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. I told you I'm throwing a big old Fourth of July party. I know. Am I invited? Celebrating this. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrate no, really, the summer I didn't flowers. get an invite. Well, I haven't sent them out yet because I was okay, busy good. with Let Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send it to you probably three minutes before the party starts because <laughs> that seems to be where I'm operating at this point. <laughs> It's going to be better. Next week's going to be better. We're gearing up for spring stuff. Mm-hmm. And our guest today is in fall season right now. Wild. Today we have Christy Rouse with Nourish Gardens on from Waikiki Island in New Zealand. And we were just chatting before the podcast got started. Mm-hmm. And it is, I want to say it's heaven because she said she's probably like, they don't do zones over there, but it's it's really like a zone 10, but it doesn't really get below 40 degrees and it doesn't get above 80. Okay. Perfect. Right? <laughs> I mean, you looking to, are you hiring? I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, so Christy, um, we connected through Instagram. I actually heard her speak at a conference, a virtual conference that I did two years ago, I think. And her talk was on lean farming and lean principles and efficiency. And I, my entire team watched it. We absolutely loved it. We had lots of takeaways, but one of our takeaways was that she calls her cooler a chiller. And I can't wait to talk about it. Because I've been trying to get it to stick for like two years now. Every once in a while, I'm like, oh, remember, we should be calling it a chiller. And then I got to meet Christy at uh, ASCFG conference this past August in Boston. So um, Christy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're on here with us to chat today. Okay, Christy. So I know you talk a lot about how we define value within our businesses and, and how that relates to lean farming. So will you um, just tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So at a very um, basic level, what you want to do is sit down and with your customer or imagine your ideal customer. It's harder to do at the beginning, easier to do as you have some experience. And Ben Hartman in his book has three core questions that you want to be asking them. What do they want? When do they want it? And how much do they want it? And you get very detailed answers to those three questions. And that is your business plan. That is where you start from. And it gets a little bit more in depth as you start looking at Mm -hmm. the fact that it has to be at an agreeable price to both of you. And it has to be something that fits within your own values. So your florist customer might say to you, uh, like I know someone here has had a florist say to them, they really do want stuff in plastic sleeves. But if that goes against your own core principles, then you don't Mm -hmm. have to (laughs) deliver exactly what they want. But just really focusing in on letting them define the value of the product I think as a business where we use a lot of cost-based pricing models, you can get sucked into, but it costs me this much to produce, therefore it's worth this much. But Lean says that is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cost is not something that you calculate at all, you try to eliminate. You don't even have to worry about it, you just try and eliminate it. That's been interesting to me, just as a 
I'm going to go sideways here. <laughs> you know how sometimes on social media too, like, do we tell the real story? Do we just put up pretty mm-hmm. pictures? Where's the balance between all those kinds of things? Yep. I've actually gone away from saying to people, look how much hard work this is. Like that is irrelevant to the, your, your end yep. customer. They love yeah. seeing the process. They love seeing you planting the seeds. And it can be funny to be out there in a storm and saying, look what we're doing. It's raining and we're harvesting and isn't this great. But at the end of the day, they are not interested in your costs. They're not interested in the amount of hard work. They just want something which is of incredible value to them. So much so that they are just going to come running and pull it from you whenever you've got something available. And that's the model that we're working towards. Hmm. That's my end of my little (laughs) (laughs) little, um, diatribe on that. (laughs) A lot of our listeners are new. new, So they're just trying to figure out. They're trying to define the value in their own businesses and they don't even know where to start. So I guess, what did that look like for you? Did you interview customers? Like, did you specifically ask those questions or you did you just listen to the things that they were telling you, the feedback that they were giving? Like, just give a little bit more detail so that they can be like, okay, I know I need to do this, but the how piece, mm-hmm. how did you go about it? I think that it's useful for a new person to really think about how they're going to sell their flowers first. And they may change that. Mm-hmm. Um, quite rapidly after the fact. But I think at the very beginning, it's very useful to have a very clear picture of how you're going to sell your flowers and who you're selling them to, because that dictates everything. It dictates what you plant, how much you plant, the colours that you plant, what effort you're going to put into your post-harvest, how much effort you're going to put into, you know, adding value to it after harvest or not. And there's a few classics Mm -hmm. like you guys have talked about before, like selling at a market, which is what I did. Um, You get very direct feedback straight away uh, from your customers, Mm -hmm. even just by not even talking to them, but by observing what they buy and what price points. And I used to, I mean, it was, it was kind of fun. Like people say that pricing is stressful, but I kind of, it's almost like a game in a way, like at a market, Mm -hmm. you can raise and lower your prices on the same day and see what happens to your sales on that, mm-hmm. that same day and, and you know, what sells is a straight bunch, what doesn't. And when you have no um, no name in that market, you know, people don't know who you are because you're a brand new business, it's obviously perfect for that. So I had that in my mind. So that was one way um, of establishing, getting some answers to those questions. And then I did phone a friend who was a friend of a florist because I found florists and still find them a little scary sometimes. <laughs> and so I found I found a friend of a florist. She worked for one. And I said, do you think she would mind if I gave her a call? <laughs> and Aww. just talked to her. She was an event florist, one of the main event florists on the island. And um, and she she took my call and spent some time with me um, talking about the colors and the types and volumes and things like that. So I did that before I planted anything and Mm -hmm. any business should do their research first, right? Even if it's just a little side Mm -hmm. hustle, I do think that putting time into trying to get some answers to those questions, what do my customers want? When do they want it? How much do they want? It's going to really pay off and going to save you so much wasted time and energy later on. I'm, thinking about what you're saying about the energy and the waste. And it is really counterintuitive to think about not just adding and growing because I I think that as an entrepreneur, I think that's how we're hardwired to grow more, do more. Even it's it's like, honestly, it's kind of a scarcity mindset if you really want to take it into the woo-woo category, right? Like there's a, we got to get more, we have to grow more, do more. So how did you, I know you're, you're, 
your space physically confined you to stick to those lean principles. So do you feel like you just have always really had that mindset or was it, do you think it was your land that forced you into that lean mindset? I think I naturally gravitate towards it anyway, because I'm quite a practical person as well. And I don't like to see waste, you know, to the extent that as a parent, um, that, you know, if there's children left food on their plate, I would eat it because I hated to see it wasted, which is such a bad habit to get into. Um, but I just, yeah, so fundamentally, I don't like to see wasted effort. <laughs> and plus, I have lots of things that I want to do, and not just flowers. I'm, and if I'm wasting effort and time on doing that and it's not returning me enough money to go and do the things that I really want to do, like I love to travel and travel, a decent amount of travel is expensive. And so I need to fund <laughs> fund my other lifestyle. <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't leave much room for running an inefficient business like that, I guess, is where. So my motivations are quite big. Having employees is great for that too, because, right, you've got to meet payroll. Mm-hmm. And the margins can be so slim in any kind of agriculture that there's not much room for error when you're taking into account the things you can't control, like weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you have it kind of. I guess it forces it has it did force me into that mindset, but also it's very easy to stay in the mindset once you're there and to start seeing the waste that does occur, like you know all the going back to Instagram, the pictures that people post of fully blown out flowers in their fields and everyone thinks it looks pretty and it um, stresses me out. <laughs> yeah. It's very stressful for me to see those pictures. The only reason that people should have that kind of view in their flower fields is if they've got a photo shoot, you know, or some kind of publicity stunt. Maybe pick your own is slightly different because people have to see some flowers. But, yeah, like there really shouldn't be like I say to my crew, if there is an unpicked flower in the field, we shouldn't have even planted the seed in the first place. Like, why bother? Mm-hmm. We're a flower farm, production farm. We're not, you know, an ornamental pretty place for people to come and visit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I <laughs> a flower that is not sold is a total waste of three mm-hmm. or four or five or six months effort for me and once mm-hmm. you've got that in your brain it's much easier to get into the mindset I think yeah well I know you mentioned you had an agritourism piece to your business so what is what does that look like a lot of people me included I plant extras because people are coming to take photos in front of it and it is part of that whole agritourism piece so what does that look like for you yeah the whole taking photos Mm -hmm. thing I haven't really gone down partly because although we're in a beautiful area we're very windy so we have these really ugly wind breaks everywhere and because Mm -hmm. of limited space I haven't like put pretty planted wind breaks we've just got very functional wind breaks and also I use the vineyard infrastructure. So they've been left up. So there isn't really good photo taking mm-hmm. spots Got it. like just for taking mm-hmm. flowers. If I had more mm-hmm. space, then I would definitely consider that because I think it is something that <laughs> people are only going to keep taking photos yeah. of themselves in places which have nice backdrops. Uh, so I haven't really done that. But one thing I did do this season, which is kind of fits into the lean, is figure out how to make tours work mm. really well for us. So I get asked frequently all the time messages on social media and stuff, can they come and visit? Because we live in a place which is easy to access and it's on a tourism 
you know, tourist island. We, we did do like seasonal tours. So, you know, like on the holiday weekends, I would do tours where they could book online on our website and things like that. But that doesn't suit the casual tourist. And I would go down to the ferry and we would just get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming through on the ferry. I can see them arriving to my island, <laughs> but they're not coming to buy flowers. So that was like a whole market of people that I was like, how can I really maximize mm-hmm. this group of people? So in a way that doesn't disrupt the flow of my business and is only going to add value, it's not going to create any extra work than what we would otherwise already mm-hmm. do. So what we have now is a, it did have a little bit of setup, but we have actually got a self-guided tour option for people. Oh, so cool. during our open hours, because we have a little farm shop, during our open hours, they can turn up. They can pay $15, so there's no pre-booking or anything like that. They pay $15 and they get a map and it's got a route on it, suggested route, and it's got like numbers on the map which match up to numbers on the um, that are out in the field and they can walk around. Mm-hmm. So that is a whole new revenue stream that once we've did that initial setup work, the only ongoing costs for me are printing out those maps on an, on an mm-hmm. as-needed basis and that's really easy nowadays. And my crew know that they're welcome, you know, they want the people to feel welcome but they need to keep working while people are walking around. And yeah, it's just worked really well. It's taken all of the you know, advertising on social media and all Mm -hmm. the marketing and stuff you have to do for one-off tours completely out of the equation. And I really like being able to say yes. And you feel like as a flower grower at the beginning, you say yes to everything and then you go, oh my God, I have to put boundaries in place. So now I have to say no to lots of things. (laughs) But it's nice to be able to have a piece where I can, people go, do I want to, can I come visit? And I'm like, yes, great. And it is actually worth it to me because the issue of course was people wanted to come visit and it producing no value to me at all in fact it being a pain so now I can go yes as long as you pay me $15 then it's worth it to me just to have that side income coming through and it means that it Mm -hmm. the property is kept tidier and we're more conscious about all of those things and that is actually one of the um, five S's of lean which we might talk about later called shine which is making sure everything is perfectly tidy and a really nice working environment Mm -hmm. to be in so by having outsiders also come into your space it also makes it happen a little bit more than it might otherwise (laughs) yeah so you're doing that and then we we do do run uh quite a few workshops basically just every weekend we run a workshop um and and during the busy season I'm tossing up how much we do of that next season Um, but I've also talked to my crew and they've been here long enough that I'm going to get them into running some as well which will be a next step up and challenge for them Mm -hmm. so yeah some possibilities there for sure done a few more private things as well which is kind of easier to manage Mm -hmm. But I would suggest if people are going to make agritourism part of their business, that they look into running it through their website. And if you're going to have specific events and doing all your ticketing and all your calendar stuff, all of that, you know, there's great plugins and things that work with websites now that you can do that. So, you know, all of the the reminder emails and the follow-up emails and the all the payment and everything is handled all online. You're not dealing with any of that at mm-hmm. your actual farm makes a huge difference and I have a calendar plugin so that once I've got one event that I've run once all I have to do is put in I want to run this date I want to run it on this date and then push go and then it replicates the whole event and I don't have to re-put in any more information so just I think 
a lot of flower growers, especially when they're smaller, do a lot of that stuff quite ad hoc. But I think in order to make those events profitable, you really have to lean up that side of things, all of the logistics and organizing side of things for sure. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do they actually listen and follow the map? This was like I've been waiting yeah, to ask I, I need to like, know about this. You give them a self-guided tour. They don't mess with you. Like they just leave your crew be and they just do it and leave. That's it? They- they do. They do. Oh, I don't think it's supposed to be in my worst moments. Um, oh, my gosh. I don't know. Maybe I have a bit of a dragon reputation anyway. <laughs> I have. I think that being the teacher comes out as like a – I just say this is what you're going to do, and they're like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I, if they've got kids, it's great because kids, kids love to follow a route, and I tell them the kids have to find the next number. So, you know, they just, and, and, and also anything, any flowers that are on the ground are fair game. So kids love running mm-hmm. around up and down trying to pick mm-hmm. up flowers from the ground. It's very, very clear. Like the map is very, very clear. And then we have all of the points where there might be an issue. There is a sign. So there is a sign, a private property, do not enter. But I've tried to make them look nice, not like, you know, not, not <laughs> off-putting, oh. not, yeah, not too much signage because I don't like places that have lots of signage. In fact, getting rid of signage is actually a lean principle. Things should be intuitive, not directive, is, a, is one of their phrases. Mm. So it should be like a logical thing for them to do anyway. They should be going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's obvious. That's where I go next, rather than you saying, no, go here, then go there, then go there. Yeah. And then all paths yeah. lead back to the farm shop, of wow. course, at the end. So. <laughs> Your customers um, is yeah. different. Yeah, no, they're pretty good, but I have learned how to do that. It's different over here in the <laughs> States. It's a little different. So, man, oh. I'm thinking this island oh. just sounds dreamy. People I that know. listen wow. and respect brown boundaries, oh they're intuitive. God. Stop it. In no way. Are you on Heaven Island? What is this? <laughs> no, no, you no, it's not there intuitive. You've got to, you've got to design your systems to be intuitive. But you really have to put lots of thought. That's what the whole lean thing is about. You really have to put lots of pre-thought into this <laughs> and learn from all the times that people don't yeah. <laughs> um, learn right. from all the times when they don't do what you want. And then say, well, why didn't they do what I want? What can I do to make them to make them go in the right place? Yes. <laughs> like we have a gate that I will close. And sometimes people even do when we're closed and they will still open the closed gate and come in and say, can I do a talk? We do get that occasionally, okay. but much, much yeah. less than when I didn't have it pre-planned wow. and people yeah you do teach people over time mm-hmm. they learn they do learn with lots of repetition <laughs> mm-hmm. we're no we're we're playing but I mean so we just learned that it's us that's what she basically just said it's us. no <laughs> yes. you're right people do want you do learn from yeah. your customer I'm just playing around when you get you know people to come back and you do learn where I think I'm really clear on something sometimes yeah. and negative ghostwriter yeah they miss it (laughs) either didn't come out right or yeah uh, but it is dealing with the public well that's great that's a really cool way you Mm -hmm. very cool yeah it's i'm not going to go that route self-guided quite yet but (laughs) i think i'm you know it's a good i think it's working for you i think that's great you mentioned christy about the 5s of lean do you want to expand on that a little bit because you touched on the shine 
piece, mm-hmm. but the five S's of lean principles. Sure. Um, so this is something from lean, which is a really nice, simple way to start implementing lean into your business. And it kind of makes sense for most people. So the first one, if we go through from one to five, um, is sort it out. So you, the idea is that you only keep like physical things that are going to add value to your business and everything else gets eliminated. So you should only keep the tools that you use and get this, that Lean would say that you use every day, that you touch once a day, unless they're extremely specialist for a job that you only do once or twice a year. But if you are not touching that tool once a day or once a week, then you're going to have to make a pretty good case for keeping it there. So just really sort it, everything out. Um, another common one would be broken tools <laughs> that mm-hmm. just sit there for ages and don't get fixed. You need to get rid of those. And I guess uh, we have like a six-month thing for those. Like if you don't deal with something in the six months, then it's not going to be dealt with. So mm-hmm. therefore, it needs to, to go. Any, we, we also hang on to things which are kind of like kind of functional, but are damaged so they don't tend to get used and then get sit there and take up space like I think for flower growers knitting would be one of those things especially if you're using Hortonova or something like that once it gets cut too many times or is all in a big tangle and then we have big piles of it Mm -hmm. get rid of it yeah and figure out how you're not going to have that again and then also just like products and things that you use like you might buy it because you think it might do a job for you might be a good idea so like a uh, particularly like you might be doing some pest control or it might be like flower conditioning solutions or something. If you've just got something sitting there and you don't actually end up using it, then you should get rid of it. So that's kind of the first step is just to go through everything and go, am I using this? Am I using it regularly, weekly? Otherwise, I'm going to get rid of it. Um, and you don't have to like just chuck it in the bin. You could find lovely new homes for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's that. And then the next thing is under the S system is simplify everything. So that goes along with sorting it out. But the idea is that you really only need a core set of tools, like maybe four or five, and they should all be the same. So to the extent here that, um, do you call it a trowel? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the little, little trowel? What do you call it? A hand trowel. Is that what you call it? A trowel. Yeah, they come okay. in all, all sorts of shapes and sizes, but we've settled on one that can, so that everyone uses it. Because otherwise what happens is people start to have favorites, like, oh, I like this one that mm-hmm. suits me best. And then they spend time looking for it or searching mm-hmm. for it or that becomes their one. And it just becomes a lot less efficient having to make those decisions. Whereas if the decision's been made for you, you know, this is the, the type that we use. And things like harvesting oh. snips, I think you called them clippers, um we make sh- I make sure we only ever have one type because you get muscle memory in your hand from using the same one again and again and once I mistakenly bought some that were just a little bit shorter same brand but had a little bit shorter and then I couldn't figure out why I wasn't cutting the plants because instinctively I've learned how long I need mm-hmm. you know the snips are that I yep. need to go in and cut without watching what I'm what I'm doing which you can do when you're more experienced Um, (laughs) and so just always having one type of those tools yeah so that's that's the the simplifying keeping everything simple and then going along with that now you're going to set in order so you're going to put everything in its own place and the rule of thumb for tools is that it is either in your hand or it's in its home so there is no in-between places for tools 
And we now all my crew have individual named um, like pouches for their snips and things, so they never get left out. We have um, buckets uh, for the weed uh, weed mat pins, landscape pins that we use quite a bit for various things, mm-hmm. for pinning down drip lines and things like that. We have them. We have buckets like outside around the fields for them. So one of the ideas is that you don't have like a central place for all your tools. You have your tools where you need them or the equipment that you use where you need them. So instead of all the weed mat being stored in one place, for this field, I have the weed mat stored right next to it and the stakes for that are stored right next to it and the netting is stored right next to it. And then for the next field, I have another little, exactly the same arrangement, but it will have stakes, netting, crop protection covers and stuff all stored right next to that place rather than having to go back to a main central shed. Oh, and the other thing we do, um, which you might have seen in that presentation, is we try to colour code, although that goes out the window sometimes, but we definitely label all our netting, all our weed mat, um, all our plastic with the length that is uh, and so it's really easy just to whip out the bit that we need. We use cattle ear tags and ear tag pens, which are really weather resistant, to just put those Mm-hmm. put this on I can't I yep. can never remember if it's the female or the male version of those ones you want but you don't need both sides you just need one <laughs> of those and that and that works really well and then we have like concrete blocks that hold down the weed mat that have actually got painted on the same code so we know mm-hmm. um so you're just making sure everything is very yeah. organized and set in order and I think it's worth doing and worth getting into the habit even if you're very small so one of the things you do really well that I saw from the the presentation that I think we've echoed on here that I said I wish I would have done it was standardizing beds pretty much everything you have is standardized right Mm -hmm. as far as like bed length and width and so you're able to sort of implement these processes pretty easily because of that is that correct yes I think that is quite fundamental to running an efficient business is standardization so as much as possible we can we actually have three different bed lengths because we have these this very steep kind of weird spaces so but within the three different lengths um they multiply out so we have I have to do it in meters, not feet, sorry, but we do six meter beds, 12 meter beds and 24 meter beds. So I can easily calculate, you know, the amount of plants that goes into a six meter bed, a 12 meter bed is going to have double that. And then a 24 meter bed is going to have double that again. And that's also chosen those lengths to fit in with most things here come in a hundred meters. And I guess it would be a hundred feet. I I can't do the maths. A hundred yards. Um, for for us as well so like weed mat comes in a hundred meter length so I can cut it into four pieces for a 25 meter beds and have like a little overlap because overlap's also mm-hmm. a little important overlap at the end of each bed a half meter overlap to take that into account so and the same with netting comes in those roll lengths and yeah weed mat and various things like that so just thinking about how you can standardize it right through the whole system so you don't end up with odd bits left over anything which is not standardized and certainly in terms of growing space we just put like random perennials or random trials and things like that and so that works quite well as well all our perennial beds don't need to be standardized as much but yeah definitely definitely all the equipment is standardized. Over um, in the insiders, we're having our our group do a time study. And I was thinking it like made me reminisce back to like, what would my time study have looked like, you know, when I first got started? And the amount of time, now we've gotten better over, over time and employees like really forced us 
into this, but the amount of time we spent looking for things, I mean, endless mm-hmm. and so frustrating. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. There's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing worse. So employees will really like shine a light on those kinds of things for you. And it's really helped as we try to just make everything have more, make more sense. Cause it was just my husband and I for so long. So uh, do, have you ever done a time study or anything like that to see where any of your inefficiencies are? No, but what we do is map a timeline from the start to the end of the process. So for example, I've just done it with my, a still be, that's not a still be, that's just what I'm doing at the moment with our dividing our perennials. So from the, from the moment that we dig them up to they get replanted or whatever's going to happen again. What are all the steps in that process Mm -hmm. and where can we shrink down the wasted time in that? So one of the things is like, it's actually faster to do flow systems than batch production. So most people do batch production. They would dig all their astilbe up and then they would divide it and then they would take it all and replant it. Where it's actually faster to just dig something and divide it straight away so you're not picking up something and then putting it down again. And then often they would sit in crates for a while before I decided where they were going to go. So they're just sitting there taking up space. People are tripping over them and then sometimes everyone, if it's too dry, they'd have to be watered. So now we have like, okay, before we even started dividing their astilbe, we had had the bed prepped ready that they were going to go into so one gets one still gets dug up split and then planted ideally mm-hmm. straight away so looking at the time like that but yes I, we probably could measure then what we actually do mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and see if that matched right. up with it and see if there was any wasted time in that but I do agree that looking for things is like is probably the most ridiculous <laughs> use of time that there is possibly so yeah huh. get rid of that one if you can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did we hijack I think on the five s's we we did yes, we I think we did sort set in order did, did we do shine shine did we do shine yet I don't know. Yeah. Yes, shine, simplify, and standardize. You just jumped ahead. You're fine. Okay. So we, yeah, off. sort, yeah. set in order, <laughs> shine, standardize, sustain. So the set in order piece and then the sustain piece. Do you want to talk about that? Because I think you touched on it with the talk just about like continuous improvements and, you know, um, improving workflow efficiencies and all of that as well. Yeah. So there is a concept of continuous improvement. And the idea is that instead of just making drastic changes, like at the end of the season, or you say, I'm going to get to that, and then I'm going to change it is that you're just continuously feeding into how you're doing things all the time, constantly looking at how you're defining value, how you're creating a Um, pool model, how you're eliminating waste on a day-to-day basis and then feeding that back in so that you could come and visit, the idea is that you could come and visit my farm and see everything we're doing and going, oh yeah, that that looks great, that's really efficient. But if we were doing our job properly, when you come back and visit in a year, it should look different. It shouldn't be the same. It should be continuing to improve. Some of those systems will have changed because we are making them, we are improving them as we go along. So that's the idea behind continuous improvement. And sustain is also about making sure people have an idea of what it's supposed to look like, like perfection. Like we often say, like there's this thing about don't be perfect and don't don't try to be perfect. You know, that's impossible stand and stuff. But there is actually a part of lean thinking, which is you are striving for perfection. Mm-hmm. And what does perfect look like? And that is where you're aiming to get to. Um, and seeing it as kind of like, 
an ultimate idea goal to get to and like that's quite fun to imagine the perfect flower farm I don't think that's intimidating for me that's kind of like fun to think about that and what would that look like and what would that feel like and that's what you're aiming to get to at the end of it while you know part of that is having a big profitable you know not a big but a profitable business Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. along the way that means that you're just adding value all the time and then you've got time to do all the other things you want to do as well one of the things we took away from your presentation that I really loved was the three ingredient bouquets and they are gorgeous. They are, we just, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I, we, we uh, watched that presentation and then I started looking at how many elements that we were harvesting. And I think Michelle does something similar, you know, she limits the numbers, but it makes it that there's less that there's less you're harvesting. There's less you're having to train and teach on how to process that flower. So that was one thing we switched to is just having three ingredient bouquets and making it very simple. And so that was a good switch. And then the other one was uh, standardizing our buckets. So getting to where we're using certain size buckets when we're harvesting. I feel like springtime, we always go rogue and kind of get away from that a little bit because stuff's Mm -hmm. a little bit shorter, but getting that back into a system where we're like harvesting consistent amounts and, you know, having everybody kind of gets the same feel for what a full bucket looks like, you know, and what that bucket size should be. So yeah. Is there anything, uh, anything Christy with the production side that you think we missed that we should, anything that we didn't cover with production inefficiencies or removing waste, anything that we we didn't hit on that we were going to? Uh, with production, I think that one of the common mistakes I see people making is over-processing of their flowers. Like you really need to be thinking about doing the minimum possible for that. That's where bunching in the field for florists and things comes in, but also not stripping too much off those stems. Like if you go and visit a wholesaler have a look at how much those flowers have been processed by other suppliers. And sometimes they have just about all their leaves still on them. There might be reasons why you might want to take, you know, normally want to take off the bottom so they're not sitting in water and things like that. But if you are, if you are selling to a florist and to retail, those are two entirely different markets. And for a florist or wholesaler, you want to make sure you're not over processing the flowers because they are used to doing that. Unless you, that is a value add to your product. Mm -hmm presenting them to the florist in a state that they can use them immediately, in which case that adds value to it and that should be paid for appropriately and they will appreciate that. But otherwise, yeah, over-processing is something I think we can fall into a trap of doing. Over-packaging for uh, retail, for flower growers sending out to retail. I mean, most of us are not aiming for high-end luxury bouquets that are going to be like $150. I mean, there are some people doing things like that. But for most of us, at the end of the day, the value that the customers place is on your flowers and not on your packaging. So we have slimmed down our packaging. We've got like the lightest and cheapest brown paper possible. I still think they look nicer in the better quality paper, but at the end of the day, it made no difference to my sales. And it also made no difference to my sales whether I used a stamp, which is cheap and fast, compared to a sticker which was much more expensive per piece. I still think the sticker looks nice, looks nicer, makes my product look higher quality, but at the end of the day, it made no difference to my customers who were buying off me. So I used to have like different color paper depending on which store they went to. So I matched the store's branding. So one store had like black and white paper because they had black branding. And now I just do brown 
and they still sell just as well. <laughs> so I think we get into yeah, using too much packaging for retail. I think we could slim that down a lot. Yeah, and then I guess just overproduction is super easy to do. Having those flushes of flowers, I mean, the Snapdragon flush would be the classic, wouldn't it? Like all of a sudden you've got a zillion Snapdragons in one colour to move. And that's a really common mistake. So trying to even out those, <laughs> even out those um uh, supply issues is really important because yeah that's a lot of a lot of wasted space with the with the selling yeah. and then not leaving seedlings in their trays too long <laughs> because you are starting that's like a waste right at the very beginning of the process and that can impact all the way down the line if they get stressed they're not going to grow well they're not going to produce well and of course, something never planted is not going to give you any money at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're very common things that we all do, but they're just focusing on the the things which are actually going to add value to your product. So getting those seedlings in the ground is a massive thing that's going to add value to your end of your product, whereas weeding does not. So we try and eliminate weeding as much as possible because it adds no value to the end of your product and instead Harvesting, bunching, mm -hmm. you know, harvesting is always, always the first job on the list here because that needs to happen when it needs to happen for a good quality flower. It needs to happen at the perfect stage for that flower. So that's going to add the maximum value in terms of a task, apart from getting them in the ground in the first place. I don't know. I can't remember what your original question was now, but <laughs> that was that was something. Oh, I'm rethinking everything. I know. <laughs> I I have, I feel like I've been uh, this year too thinking – like many times, like what tasks do I need to do right now? And so I've been switching to like, what's going to make me money? What, what's bringing value? She's saying it in a way that, you know, yeah. by bringing value, but it's like, what is, what's the thing that's going to be making me money? What moves it forward? Because you're right. Weeding doesn't, I mean, it can, if they're out of control, you're, you have to have yeah. some weeding to balance it. And then again, if you're in an agritourism piece, you know, they, there's an expectation with what it should look like and mm -hmm. all of those things. But yeah, it's like, I know I took so many notes while we were I chatting, know. like so many things of, <laughs> I just, I, I, I went back and re-listened to the presentation too that she, she did to kind of just recap on everything. You had so many great tips standardizing the buckets. And then also she has like a chalk, like a labeling system that's on the, on the actual bucket itself, which we have not fixed that problem. Emily, you edit this podcast for put that, I'm putting that on your list. Okay. We need to go back to this because sometimes I feel like that cooler, the chiller, excuse me, the chiller gets so full that we don't have a good system to know what's fresh and what, you know, because yeah. a, that bucket gets mixed in. And so we use a flagging system and then sometimes that doesn't get, that's definitely an inefficiency of something that we need to that we need to work on. But yeah, it's always such a great refresher to hear this topic because we all have waste. We all have yeah. it on our farms and in our life. And yeah. Um, and it's evolving. Yeah. Yes. We use pegs on our buckets quite a bit. So they're cheap and easy to get in lots of different colors. So, you know, a yellow peg means that it's got hydrating solution in it or something needs to be changed out and things like that. And we also have a big chiller that can go that I can move them mm -hmm. around on their trolleys. So it, we use like a like a shelf system they do in a shop. So everything gets pulled forward all the time. So each day 
the the harvest that we've just done goes at the back and everything gets pulled forward mm-hmm. um so we always know which is the freshest yeah that's yeah. needs to be smart and the oldest which needs to be moved first <laughs> i'd say i'm the culprit for most of this i mean you're talking to a person that lost her keys on the barn a month ago i mean couldn't find them you know like Actually, that's not where I lost my keys. That's where I hung them. So I just like sometimes I'm just rogue on stuff, but I don't <laughs> know systems get rogue. No, I think that's great. It's such a good refresher and such a good reminder to all of us. Christy, I so appreciate you sharing. You have like nailed this in seven years. I know. Like, it's I'm so, so fascinating to me. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. we did another interview that's going to be coming out too. And it's um, there is something to this limited space concept, Mm -hmm. right? Where it like forces you in. Like I know a lot of people think about it as a disadvantage, but you've really taken that and just maximized your production, your profits, your, you know, the space that you've been able to grow in and your systems. Like I think it's so inspiring to hear you, to hear you talk. I learned something from you every time I talk to you. So I really appreciate you taking your time to, Mm -hmm. to share with us today because you could, you could be writing the, the lean farming flower book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd buy it. (laughs) (laughs) That's very sweet of you. I'm kind of, I have been kind of tempted to on occasion. Every so often I'm in the field, I'm like, I should film this. This would be good for something. (laughs) So, yeah, I do, we do run here in New Zealand, we run something similar to you with your dirt. I'm not going to get it right. Sorry. Your dirt group. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Called the Floral Business Activator. So it's a membership platform that people can join. And they, and we do, we have like lean, I have put together quite a few lean guides for them. Uh, and we have a yeah, we have a bit of a month focus on lean on that. So that's really you know there's nothing so good as teaching something right to really make it mm-hmm. stick. So I have done a yep. bit of work on those things as well, which has really helped. And every time I read through it or prepare for something like this, I'm like, no, this is it. This is what is important and suits <laughs> the way that I want to run my business and that works. It really does work. And it's nice to just be able to pick a method that fits with you. And then use that to guide your decision making. And so everything time you make a decision about a new sales channel or a new flower or something, you can say, but does this fit the principles behind Ling? Does this mm-hmm. fit the fact that my customers are defining the value of what I want to grow or what I'm growing? So it's just nice to have a framework. So even if it's not lean, pick something that works, that really speaks to you, that works for you. And then it just makes life a lot easier and you don't have to make you know your decision making becomes a lot easier and more obvious what you're what you should actually be doing because it's very easy to get distracted by all the beautiful flowers and all the beautiful possibilities that you could do in this industry which is one thing I love about it but in order for it to be profitable and work for you you really do have to hone in on things yeah that's great I'll just finish by saying thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much for the opportunity to um, come and chat I love talking about this stuff and (laughs) I love also love listening to you guys we always say that we like to see what's happening in the opposite hemisphere you're (laughs) planting your dahlias just about at the exact same time that we're lifting ours and then we're planting our tulips at the same time as you're harvesting (laughs) them and so it's really fun to just get a little bit more excitement about the season to come up and see what you guys are doing so yeah really and really like what you're doing with this this podcast and shining a light on all of these things thank you thank you it's very sweet 
Yes. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and connect with you if they have any more lean farming questions that they just need to hear more of you? (laughs) Sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Instagram, of course, at Nourish Gardens. If you want any more, if you want an answer to a detailed (laughs) question, then don't send it to me on Instagram because those messages get very lost very quickly. So um, the most reliable way to get hold of me is through email, which is info at nourishgardens.com. So yeah, Instagram, um, Nourish Gardens. And if people are interested in the Floral Business Activator, they can check that out. There's a website for that. But we're much meaner than you. We only open up membership once a year. So... (laughs) That's not till next April. (laughs) So, so, but we do occasionally do community webinars and things like that, so people can um, have a look and see what we've what we've got planned on. Yeah, that's probably more efficient, honestly, to open it up once a year. (laughs) Less less marketing efforts. There's probably some things to dig into with that, which we've talked we've talked about it. (laughs) You can give us an assessment later. Yes. Yeah. So grateful. It was like so fun to meet you in person too. Yeah. 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 Thank you. (laughs) Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If um, you love what you're hearing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We know that as we get into our flower seasons, we understand how time, how valuable your time is, and it really means everything that you take us along with you and all of your daily tasks. So thank you so much, guys. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week. 